Breaking Consciousness Transforming Podcast for Exceptional 21st Century Living. Folks, we have a uh, wonderful show today. We're going to be speaking with Sally Crow, and her book that we're talking about today is The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, A Weird Woman's Book of Shadows. And folks, this is an encyclopedia for anyone that is um, studying witchcraft, whether you've been in it for 40 years or you're just putting your toe in the water today, it's going to give you grounded, positive information, replete with stories and techniques. And she shares her uh, book of shadows and it is excellent. So if this is a subject of interest to you, this would definitely be a book to purchase now and keep on your bookshelf forever because it's going to be on mine forever. And you guys know I don't say that very often. Now, the information shared on Get Over It uses intuitive and pragmatic insight to help you shift your consciousness to break through the blocks and release energy that is no longer needed. Yes, we're going to help you let go of the BS that is holding you back. But you know, I always ask that question, are you truly ready to? And by the way, folks, BS is belief system. A bit about me for my new listeners, intuitive since birth. I'm a third generation intuitive with over three decades of experience supporting people to break through the blocks along their path. I'm a strategist for personal and professional transformation, revealing cutting edge information that enables you to prosper and thrive. I spent 25 successful years in corporate America as an executive sales professional, and I am the founder of Healing Visions Ministries and the Northern California Children's Education Network, a 501c3 nonprofit. I provide consultations and healings in all areas of life that heal the mind-body-spirit connection, allowing you to live your very best life. My clients tell me that I keep it real while providing them with accurate information to assist them along their journey as a spirit living a human existence. But they also say, if you really don't want to know, don't ask Monique. My background includes a doctorate in metaphysics, Reiki master teacher, ordained minister, and clinical hypnotherapists, so whether you are stressed, depressed, or possessed, I can help. To find out more about me and the services I offer, go to my website, that's MoniqueChapman.com, and I invite you to like me on Facebook and follow me on LinkedIn. Uh, folks, um, I'm going to be participating in the Wisdom of Reiki Conference at the Omega Center in Rhinebeck, New York, uh, September 20. 3rd through the 25th. If you're in the area and you're a Reiki practitioner, please join us. Uh, William Lee Rand, Brett Bevel, Michelle Denis, myself, many others are going to be there, and we would love to have you with us. My guest today, Sally Crow, is a witch, druid, and natural psychic medium who weaves the traditions of her Irish traveler and Blackfoot heritage with modern magical techniques. With more than 30 years of professional experience in the psychic arts as a spirit channel and seer, she offers readings for individual groups and teaches workshops throughout the United States and internationally. He lives in the Northeast Kingdom of Vermont, and you can check her out at her website, and that is sallycrow.com, and that is S-A-L-I-C-R-O-W.com. Welcome, Sally Crow. Thank you for having me, Monique. Hey, it's great to have you. I am so intrigued when the book came across my desk. I was like, oh, this feels so good. I mean, you can feel your energy um, right through the book. And folks, when you check out her website and you go to the book um, section in her website, you will see that this lady 
writes her talk. She writes her truth. Um, you've written what total of three books? Um, I have three, this is yes, a, three books right now. Mm-hmm. So tell us a little bit about Jump Girl. Uh, Jump Girl is a memoir. It's Jump Girl: The Initiation and Art of a Spirit Speaker, and it was my story of growing up in a psychic family and um and then how it progressed i've been working with the public since i was 18 i'm 51 now and so i've this has been pretty much my whole life and Mm -hmm. that's there's still a lot more but the book was up until i had this major awakening that took me from just you know doing psychic readings looking into people's lives to really stepping forward as a psychic medium and Mm -hmm. um spirit communication okay and then is the um elemental witchcraft your second yes the path elemental witchcraft is my second book Mm -hmm. and my third books um which is called spirit speaker a medium's guide to death and dying comes out in april of next year okay well i'd love to have you back if you know you'd like to be back on because you're again you're work is extremely grounded. Now you grew up in a psychic family as did I, but I didn't know it was a psychic family. We just like practiced religion and did, you know, our thing, so to speak. Did you have a similar experience or was it really uh, separated as you're a psychic? This is what we do. Well, my great grandmother was my first teacher and people used to come to visit her for healing for readings and for that her to talk to them their dead but she did not use the language that we modernly use like psychic you know she would Mm -hmm. say you know things sally or dead people talk to you sally it's okay she didn't talk about she didn't use the the language was different Mm -hmm. okay um sort of like my background, but, you know, it's interesting when you get out in the world and, you know, I went to kindergarten and saw colors around people and I'm telling them, oh, you're green and blue and whatever. And you're like, huh, (laughs) you know, so it's it's really interesting um, growing up, but you grew up, you got through all of that. And this, I I had the benefit of both my grandmother and my sister, one of my sisters is also psychic. So I just Mm -hmm. assumed that that was just normal for us. Yeah, it's like your family. And I thought everybody else could do the same thing. I didn't realize Mm -hmm. that, you know, other people didn't know things. And it was quite a shock to me, (laughs) to be honest, (laughs) that people were doing it. Now, you utilize the uh, four elements, uh, water, air, fire, and earth. Do you correlate them at all to the four seasons? I do sometimes. Um, The book, The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, is actually more based in working with elemental beings Mm -hmm. um and you know than it is so much with the seasons but i definitely see a connection between the elements and seasons the elements in the tarot the elements and the directions all of those things yeah that's what i was picking up strongly as i was reading your book that you know things were well, everything is always connected, right? I mean, it's just mm-hmm. that humans try to separate things out into different little compartments. Um, tell us why this book and why this book now? Oh, um, so the book actually came about because I had a profound experience with the spirit of water um, while visiting 
Panther, the spring at Panther Meadows in on Mount Shasta in Northern California. Mm-hmm. And the spirit of water communicated with me, which I speak about very clearly in the book and kind of set me on this journey. It first started where my healing work was changed. You know, I've been a Reiki master um, since I was 28 and multiple uh-huh. schools of Reiki and sound healing. And when I came back from that trip, I started um, speaking to the water inside of people's body and asking it Ooh. to um, work with me. You know, Mm -hmm. like if I was trying to help somebody, like, let's go back to our natural state. Let's go back to what we're supposed to be at. And that's how it started. And then all of a sudden I got, you know, this water attunement and I felt that it worked for me, but I'm a very experiential person. So I was teaching a elemental workshop in on Lake Superior. And that was the first time I gave the attunement to other people who also had a profound experience with it. And so it just kind of evolved i first thought that i was going to write a book on water that's what i first presented to my publisher and Uh when i did i just put in my you know pitch that i thought that it should be you know there should be four books because there's four elements and they decided that they would rather have them all in one book so it went from being a book on water magic to a book on elemental magic. Um, I mean, mm-hmm. I was prepared to write all four eventually, but um, I actually wrote The Path of Elemental Witchcraft in six months. So when you say it's oh. a tome, now say, I wrote this in six months. <laughs> wow. <laughs> you must have been writing from morning to night every single it, day. That's quite I, it an was definitely a deep. It was definitely a deep immersion. Um, I did most of the writing in, well, the writing happened in 2020. Uh And, you know, so I was already like isolating and I have a pretty magical piece of land and I have apprentices. So I was teaching workshops because people could do that outside. And all of this was happening at the same time. So as I was writing the book, I was also working the magic of the book with people who were coming to retreats at my um, property. So Uh it was it was definitely an immersive experience. (laughs) Well, you know, going within, you know, to me, that's part of what the pandemic was all about, trying to teach us to go within, you know, get out of mass mind consciousness. And those that paid attention, there's definitely been a a positive shift um, within their lives. Absolutely. Um, You talk about, um, you believe that magic is science that has not has yet to be explained. Talk to us more about mm-hmm. that, because I believe that especially the medical community is finally coming around. So talk to us yeah. about that. Yeah, um, that was my experience, because like I said, I've also been a Reiki practitioner for a long time and practiced um, vocal toning as a healing form. Um, and I started, I have most of my clients that I do readings and spirit communication for and healing, they're everyday people. They're not necessarily people who are, you know, studying witchcraft. So Mm -hmm. I'm always looking for ways to communicate with them about the metaphysical world in terms that they can understand. And you're right about healing being the most noticeable because, you know, there's so many, there's hundreds of hospitals now in the United States in which Reiki is 
offered as compatible care. And, Mm -hmm. you know, that language, what I'm seeing is science, whether through, you know, the medical field or the quantum field is now talking about things that magical practitioners have believed forever. You know, even if we go back to, you know, like the quantum theories of what we think we create, you know, that what we're influencing our reality, we are co-creating our reality. Science is starting Mm -hmm. to be able to see that. Mm-hmm. Um, water is a great example, like the experiments that have been done with water have really been able to show us our influence over that. And then you go, okay. And then how much of us is water and how much of us, you know, I could get down a rabbit hole with that one. Mm-hmm. Well, if you want to go a little further, you can. Okay. So one of the things that I feel happens with, is that science needs to have, um, they have to be able to prove it. And magic has been accomplishing things for a long time. The magic, I mean, the science is only now being able to prove. Uh, there mm-hmm. are, are lots of, people call them like pseudoscientists, but there's that's what science is called whenever it hasn't made mainstream yet. So mm-hmm. um, I do like the work of people like Bruce Lipton and mm-hmm. um, Dr. Joe Dispenza and Eileen McCusick, who um, works with biofield tuning. Mm-hmm. They are all, their science is the mapping of things. We're just finally getting to this point where things are being mapped. And the language is the barrier that holds a lot of people back from being able to accept magic. So I'm very thrilled with science doing the work that is bringing the language forward. Mm. Why is it that uh, mainstream TV, they project magic in a completely different arena? Um, and what comes to mind um, is, and I've never seen the movie, so if I misspeak, you can correct me. But what comes to mind is the Harry Potter movies. They're like, you know, you can okay. wave a magic wand and you can say these words without knowing what the words mean and you're going to manifest. And yeah, you might manifest right. something, but it might not be right. what you want. So why do you think that has taken such so, a hold on us? The Harry Potter image is really, I call it the Disney personification or the Hollywood personification of magic, which means that most people, magic is a subtle art. And Mm -hmm. most people have to train their senses to be able to perceive that. You were raised in a more psychically aware family. You see things that other people have to train themselves to see. So Mm -hmm. Hollywood and Disney and Harry Potter, they all want to show the people who can't see what magic looks like and they distort it but some of the things that are actually in harry potter are you know somewhat based in fact people do usually have a little bit of a reawakening if you will at about 11 or 12 years old you know Mm -hmm. children when they're young and they have a lot of psychic senses that is something they experience usually until they're about five or six years old at six years old, when our conscious um, analytical mind comes on board, we start paying attention to what everybody else thinks is normal. And we're all in the school system with those senses that we have also start to reemerge. And unfortunately, a lot of times, you know, the really sensitive kids are also the ones who are being diagnosed with things like attention deficit and, you know, giving them a medication and saying, this might be the problem. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let, last, that, I was on a school board for a long time. So, oh, um, so you know. 
Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So and they I want to shut it down. Harry Potter, even in with the wand, here's an interesting thing. So some of the stuff is correct, but it's distorted. I once did an experiment. Um, I used to do these aura manipulation experiments with people where a person would be blindfolded in the middle of a circle and then everybody would be moving around them. Somebody has a dowsing rod and when the speaker says stop, the person with the dowsing rod would move in and stop at the blindfold person's aura Uh at the edge of it. And then the Uh person in the middle would have to determine where somebody was in their aura and who they were. And we did this for a while. And one time we moved to someone else's house and everybody who was in the middle would stop and face this apple tree and say, Sally. And I was like, what the hell? You know, like <laughs> they keep thinking this apple tree is me. So we took our experiment in a different direction and I stood in an apple orchard uh-huh. and somebody would walk a blindfolded person by me and see if they could find me and no one could detect me. Then wow. I went and I stood in a line of cedar trees and I stood out like a sore thumb. Mm-hmm. And so we started doing it with everybody. We started trying to figure out what their energy felt like. So that made me think of, you know, the wands in Harry Potter have to be um, of a particular wood that is the same vibration or similar mm-hmm. vibration as the caster. Mm-hmm. And that is true because a wand is an extension of the magic user. You know, okay. they're meant to be like mm-hmm. the lengthening of your arm or the strengthening mm-hmm. of your power. So I have some mixed feelings about Harry Potter. It definitely glamorizes everything. And most people like do not face the kind of evil that they're going to face in the <laughs> Harry Potter movie. Um, yes. <laughs> you know, so there is the glamorization, but there are actually a lot of things that are fairly factual if you take it back down to the base level of what uh-huh. they, they used. Yeah, a lot of movies. I haven't seen Harry Potter, but a lot of movies are like that. If you just distill all the crap out, you can get down to right. Um, I the read the Harry truth. Potter. My kids were growing up during Harry uh-huh. Potter's high highlight, so I read them first, and then um, they watched the movies. And that was for me, as somebody who was already practicing magic at that point. There were things that I could point out and be like, "Oh, this part's actually accurate," and uh-huh. you know, or this part is true, but they've made it um more sensationalized yeah yeah and plus you know i think it's a danger to put a lot of information out there if someone on the other end decides to practice it just as they see it and get themselves into a world of trouble now um sally you are a witch but you're also a professional psychic medium tell us about that and yeah explain to the couple people out there who don't know the difference between a psychic and a psychic medium because there's at least one person listening who doesn't have a clue. Right. Um, so to be psychic, the word psychic encompasses all psychic abilities. Somebody who does energetic healing is technically psychic. Somebody uh-huh. who, you know, does geomancy and is working with earth energy is technically psychic. But most of the time when we're talking about the word psychic, we're talking about the ability to look into the unseen world. So whether that is hit things hidden in your own life or um, experiences that have yet to come or secrets buried in the past, that's what the word psychic means. Um, I worked professionally as a psychic for about 
12 years uh, before I started practicing spirit communication for the public. I first did psychic readings, um, looking into people's past, presence, and future. I still do that. I also do past life readings and soul purpose readings and all sorts of things. Um, but as a spirit medium or channel, I am a very accurate and I also go very deep. So a lot mm -hmm. of other mediums will send people to me because I sometimes am doing counseling for people between their dead. You know, like if there was a mm -hmm. lot of unresolved things, I am the person who's buffering that. Mm -hmm. And um, my mediumship ability has made it so that I am pretty well accepted, even though I'm a witch in whatever environment i walk into a lot of my clients are you know police officers nurses doctors mm -hmm. waitresses old ladies mm -hmm. <laughs> you know <laughs> isn't it amazing how the professional community will come to people like us but they don't want anybody else to know and but they right. will take our advice i, I work with right. someone high in the um advertising arena and you'd yeah. be amazed you, you know i mean it's like but they right don't tell anybody <laughs> right well actually people like even um in politics like mm -hmm. presidents and presidents wives have been known to see psychics you know they mm -hmm. don't advertise it but it's definitely out there in our country as well as other countries have lots of magical workings particularly through the form of uh, masonic magic mm. and geomancy mm -hmm. Yes, and people are not necessarily aware of that. So um, mm -hmm. when you go to your website, and that's sallycrow.com, S-A-L-I-C-R-O-W.com, and you look at your readings, you have the crow, you have the raven, and you have the rook. Uh, tell us the symbolism of the crow, the raven, and the rook. So crow is a spiritual name for me um, mm -hmm. and my family, actually. And mm -hmm. I look at crows talk all the time and they're looking who really want me to look at something or they're just checking in. Mm -hmm. um, and I think about that crows are pretty casual. Ravens are not very casual. When ravens show up in your life, most people go, holy shit, that's a raven. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, you know, you need a little bit more time. That's in my, that's a 40 minute reading, but I did it because of the idea that, you know, okay, this is needs more time. And Rooks actually, I experienced the first time I went to um, England, they have a lot of Rooks there. They live in like apartment complexes. Like there are lots of them. There is so huh. much going on with Rooks, you know, like where crows and ravens are a little bit more family unit. The Rook, literally there could be 30 of them living in a spot easily. Oh, wow. Um, so, me, you know, the rook being is an hour unit, we've got a mm -hmm. lot, a lot going on, like that rook mm -hmm. that's like busy in its world. Mm -hmm. um, I also offer a reading that's called the White Raven reading, and that is a reading that I developed in um, during the beginning of the pandemic. And it was when people really needed to be able to see the light. So, that reading is based on recognizing the gifts that we carry so it mm. is you know 
for people who want to delve into psychic work but are afraid of seeing anything bad, the White Raven's a great place to start because it shows you what gifts you have and how they manifest and how to work with them, including okay. where your strongest psychic abilities lie. Um, so yeah, I just, okay. I love the Raven, Rook, Crow family. Okay. But what if you looked outside your window and all of a sudden you saw, no lie, 30 ravens on your lawn? What does that mean? I would run be away quickly. Something big. No, I would be thinking <laughs> that something big. If it was in my yard, I would be something uh -huh. big was going to land in my yard. You know, like this is, this is going to happen and I don't have to go find it. It's going to come to me. Uh -huh. um, and what I would tell people if they had that experience would be instead of just seeing it as bad is to actually try to calm themselves, center themselves, and then ask, what do I actually feel when I see these? For me, if I saw 30 ravens, I'd probably get really excited. And uh -huh. I would think that whatever was going to happen was going to be good. Okay. Bye. Well, that literally, that literally happens to me almost on a daily basis. I don't know where they live when they're not on my lawn, but they're here all the time. Mm -hmm. And I, 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 we have ravens and crows. And to me, crows will hop and ravens will walk. Does that make sense to you? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, There's definitely a lot of differences. Mm-hmm. But there's so, uh, but there's all the time, all the time. And I started to be honest, I'm afraid of birds. Like you get a little, okay. I don't know, hummingbird. I'm like, <laughs> freaking out. Right. And then these big, <laughs> these big raven stuff. And, and I mean, they're big. They're not, you know, like little junior ones that they're, they're well fed wherever they're eating. Right. And, and I'm like, oh my God, you know. So ravens just... are connected to the spirit world. They're connected yeah. to the unseen world they're also connected to a couple of different deities um both that i work with like i work with the morgan um mm -hmm. from irish mythology and odin um and odin has two ravens who are um hugan and munin thought and memory and they are said to go out every day and gather information and return to odin with that so they're very much signs of prophetic um mm -hmm. knowledge or communication between worlds as well so mm -hmm. there you go yeah well you know it's really interesting when we bought this house on the corner because we live on a corner um someone years and years ago had made an eye and then they put a plant in the middle of the eye and i'm like ah. you know what a perfect house for me you know it was like ah great 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 right. I, right. yeah you know it just kind of tuned in and what is it when you see a bald eagle well, bald eagles have a, are, first of all, they're a sign of our country. Um, so mm -hmm. it depends on how you receive them. Um, it flew over eagles, me when I was walking the dog. Yeah. Eagles are about clear sight mm -hmm. and higher, higher vision. They're usually talking to us about our ability to perceive the bigger picture um, because they usually are at such heights. But yeah, having some an eagle fly over you, again, I would consider that a blessing. My sister and I were coming out of the Willoughby um, Forest, which is a really amazing lake near where I live. Mm -hmm. um, and she had an eagle fly about 10 feet over her head. And we were like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. yeah. Big I, I stuff mean, is coming in. Yeah, um, they're huge. They're beautiful. But, you know, mm -hmm. in my era, you don't expect to see one. And I was like, wow, just blown away. But, you know, I do have to ask you about this story. 
early in the beginning of your book, you talk about mirrors and how to utilize mirrors to watch people and gain information. And you share a wonderful story about Mrs. Bobbin or Boblin in the story and your Bobbin and your grandmother. So could you share that and the reasoning behind it? Because I mean, it's, sure. it's funny and it's deeply insightful at the same time. Yes. My grandmother was an excellent teacher and she very seldom taught in what other people would think was teaching. And um, when she got older, she moved in with my, my grandmother was actually my great grandmother. She moved back in with her son, my grandfather. And she didn't really like that, but she lived next door to this lady who, oh my gosh, she was so (laughs) bitchy. This lady um, was old and she like had her hair perfectly curled and she always dyed it bright black except for she always had like the line of white roots and had her Mm -hmm. red lipstick on she was always really done Mm -hmm. and like she would never everybody else would cross over the lawn in between the driveways but she always have to walk out of her driveway over on the sidewalk back into my grandmother's driveway and she complained all the time about us Mm -hmm. um that she didn't know why my grandmother had us so often so there was another reason to dislike her and she did weird things so like she used to make my grandmother's um tea with her used tea bag. She'd come to my grandmother's house. She'd make herself tea with a tea bag and then she'd make my grandmother's. And I think it's a depression era thing, but I didn't understand it. Uh I just thought it was really disrespectful. Uh And one day my grandmother, because she usually had her kitchen table up against one's wall and then Uh told me that I would be sitting for tea. And that meant I couldn't talk or anything, but that I could sit there, which is kind of like Uh a big kid move. And so, and that I was supposed to sit on the side closest to the wall. And I had to, I did that before Mrs. Bobbin got there. So there could be no misunderstanding <laughs> to Mrs. Bobbin that I was staying. Mm-hmm. And um, as they started talking, I've always been able to scry through mirrors and any reflective surface since I was a little kid. And in this case, it was the teacups. Mm-hmm. I sat down. And as she was talking, I was kind of watching her through the tea or listening to her and staring at the tea. And the thing that I came away from was the realization that Mrs. Bobbin never had company, that her kids never came to visit her, that she was a really lonely old woman and that the reason it bothered her so much that my grandmother always had us was because she never saw her children. She never saw her grandchildren. Uh Um, And so it was a really important lesson for me to see because there was a reason why my grandmother put up with Mrs. Bobbin, you know, Uh Mrs. Bobbin because Mrs. Bobbin wasn't a bad person. She was a sad person. And the thing I talk about with scrying and I talk about a lot in the water and with mirrors and different reflective surfaces is that when we take the time, when we can watch somebody without them seeing us, uh-huh. because they, you can't feel somebody watching you through a mirror, you know, you can't right. feel somebody watching right. you through any reflective surface, but if somebody is staring at you in a room, you can feel them and you're going uh-huh. to act differently. But when we can observe somebody without them realizing we're observing them, we can actually more psychically or intuitively see the whole picture. We can, you know, we can get past the armor that they put on. We can get past the story of what maybe we thought they were. I still didn't Uh like Mrs. Bobbin. 
I didn't change that. <laughs> she was really mean most of the time. But I didn't mm-hmm. dislike her as much. I actually, when she got huffy and stuff, I knew my grandmother wasn't going to listen to her and say we couldn't come over. And I also knew mm-hmm. every time she said something like that, I just was thinking like, yeah, you're just sad. Yeah. And it, it, it is what it is, but what a great lesson to learn early in yes. life. Now, you are also a geomancer. Tell us about that. that that's the one thing I have not mastered. To be, to, okay, you know, so geomancy out there. and and dowsing are really mm-hmm. um, similar. Geomancy mm-hmm. is working with the Earth's energy, and particularly with ley lines and um, use harnessing them. Mm-hmm. So when you think of things like stone circles, labyrinths, holy wells, most of them have pretty significant, um, and even like the buildings in our country, like uh, most of our, particularly the United States, because we were founded by Freemasons, mm-hmm. a lot of our governmental buildings have um, geomancy worked into, which is the art of placement. So people think of geomancy, another way of thinking of it is feng shui. Mm-hmm. Feng Shui is a form of geomancy. Dowsing is a form of geomancy. Geomancy is working with the earth's energy to heal the earth as well as to heal places um, and people who live in those places. You know, a lot of times, um, so I started practicing geomancy when I trained in Druidry and it Mm -hmm. was a natural component because I do get called sometimes for haunted houses, Mm -hmm. um, people experiencing spirit activity. And it's not always spirits. Sometimes a lot of the stuff that's going on, like my first questions are actually, is there somebody with a mental illness or a teenager living in the house? Because Mm -hmm. when people can't express themselves properly, sometimes things happen. Like they can make kinetic things happen. Like things fall off the wall Mm -hmm. or, disturbances. But another factor can be, you know, what is going on in the house. And because I can do distant viewing, I can have appointments with people while I'm doing like a Zoom meeting and I'm talking to them and I'll be like, okay, so you have a major ley line running into your house in the back left corner. And I believe it's a water line. And most likely you have um clutter in that corner of your basement maybe even some pooling water you know like those things people can actually change them they can make Uh it so that the line is not moving through their house that they can change like if they're living in a place that has a really bad energetic flow you can work with geomancy to change those things but you can also use that like i've done a lot of um built a lot of earth temples on my property that harness the way that the ley lines come into the to the land and uh-huh. i am not a gardener i've never gardened <laughs> two years uh-huh. ago my apprentices put in an herb garden and my sister who is a gardener is blown away she's like i can't even believe how good this is because i know that this land had never basically been fertilized for this it never had any of this and yet things are growing really crazily well in two years Mm -hmm. and a lot of it i think is more because we have worked to harness the energy of my property so efficiently Mm -hmm. well Um, you you do very 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 um good work i want to jump again back to your website sallycrow.com what events do you have coming up soon um i am 
I've, well, my fall is actually filled with spirit communication. I'm doing a lot of different spirit galleries and, but I also mm -hmm. am, have my last retreat, two retreats of the summer. This weekend, I'm teaching a tarot retreat. Um, tarot is the storyteller, which is the working pieces that I'm working out for the book that I'm writing right now. Mm -hmm. um, I like to experiment before I actually send it off to the publisher. And the other one is I am doing an earth magic retreat at the Rootstock Retreat Center in Glover, Vermont. And then we are going to be building an earth temple. So that's all about geomancy. Um, mm -hmm. And that is in September. So those events are listed on my website. Okay. And talk to us about your school of magic. Okay. So um, I started my school of magic in the beginning of the pandemic as well. The pandemic, I had actually bought all of the video stuff that I needed, mm -hmm. um, you know, cause that's the wonderful thing I think about being psychic, even when you don't know something's coming, you kind of do. So I had bought it all like yeah. six months before the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And I filmed, I have a whole year, year long course in elemental witchcraft that was I made to accompany my book. So that mm -hmm. was the biggest reason for me doing the School of Magic. That has 12 different modules. People can learn at their own pace, but it's got a ridiculous amount of information. So if somebody really is looking to deep dive into witchcraft, that would be my suggestion because it is very thorough. But my favorite workshop that I have on there um, is empaths opening and protection and it's a very mm. maybe a couple hour workshop and mm -hmm. i started with that because i have personally taught that workshop so many times and every time i would teach it i would then be doing readings for people and know that they too needed to take that workshop because i'm sure you've seen this as well that we are as a human species going through psychic evolution we are becoming mm -hmm. more empathic and most people do not have the ability to um, handle what ha is happening for them emotionally. Uh -huh. So yeah. the School of Magic is a way for, because I have clients all over, for people to take classes with me when they can't do it in person. And sometimes uh -huh. I do teach, like in the wintertime, I teach classes on Zoom. So there's that as well, which are live classes. Okay. Well, you know, Sally Cry, I've really enjoyed uh, your time today. People, the book is The Path of Elemental Witchcraft, a weird woman's book of shadows. You can check her out at her website. That's sallycrow.com. Sally, could you leave us with a pearl of wisdom? Because you have so much. <laughs> share a little. <laughs> yeah. One of my big things that I like to share with people is the importance of vocabulary. And this has to do with developing psychically as well as healing. A lot of times people will get stuck. They enjoy the experience of having healing work done. And even when they have healed, they're still using those words to describe themselves. And I try to tell people at some point you need to reevaluate yourself and change your language from healing to growing. Because when we tell ourselves that we're constantly healing, we are also telling ourselves that we're broken. Uh -huh. The other bit that goes along with that is to take the words maybe kind of and think so out of our vocabulary when we are talking about experiences that we have that are 
psychic in nature or supernatural in nature because that creates doubt and people do it all the time they're like i thought i saw something out of the corner of my eye and i'll be like mm -hmm. no could you say that without could you change that and they'll be like i saw that out. i saw something out of the corner of my eye yeah. you can feel it when you say uh -huh. it in the affirmative and then you uh -huh. know and then you get confirmation and I'm always like, what are you talking about? You know whether you saw something out of the corner of your eye or not. You might not know what it is, but right. you know you saw something. Saw something. So okay. taking the word self-doubt words out of, of our, our vocabulary when we are developing psychically will help immensely in our ability to progress. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Um, to my audience, I uh, want to ask you to take a look at her website and um, to check out her book, get her book. It is a, a keeper. It is something that you will have on your shelf and refer back to many, many times. I've only had the book a few months and it's already dog-eared. Okay. And it's amazing like because you, yeah, you can read, you know, you'll read something and um, you go right back to it, you know, again and again and again. And she writes in a very easy, user-friendly, you don't have to have been a witch forever to understand what she's talking about. Okay. Plain English, layman's terms. So please consider the path of elemental witchcraft. Sally, thank you so much for being with me today. I really appreciate it as we collectively get Thank over you. it. You're welcome. And to the audience, I uh, appreciate you too. And um, I really love the fact that you tune in and listen. And for everyone, please remember that the most important choice that you can make is what you choose to make important. Consider making the masterful choice of discovering the path of elemental witchcraft. Abundant blessings, light and love to all. Agape.